Are you ready? Ready to transform your life and step into the person that you say you want to be. Ready to stop talking and start doing. I'm Ange, a health and fitness coach. And I'm Ashley, a Reiki master and energy healer. And we are here to help you do exactly that. And you're busy. We get that because we are too. But even with the challenges and chaos, you deserve and can live a life full of absolute joy, happiness, and purpose. We want you to join us in taking radical responsibility so that you can take everything in your life to that next level. Have the best sex of your life. Live in a body that you love. Let go of worry and stress. And live in total alignment. Your happier, healthier, and amazing life is waiting for you. Let's get into today's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Transform Your Life podcast. I am super excited because we have a special guest today with us, Carolina, and we are going to be talking all about making babies using Reiki, which lights my soul on fire because Ashley, my co-host here, helped me get pregnant um, using Reiki as one of those tools. And to be honest, guys, at the moment, I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. And I truly at that moment did not believe that it was a part of the process. But her as my best friend was like, yeah, girl, like I helped that process along. And now she has helped lots of people with this whole process. And divinely, Carolina reached out to us to come onto the podcast. And I know that she is going to share all of her wisdom. And we are just so, so excited to have you here. Welcome. Welcome Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's just I'm so grateful to share space with you. So excited. So excited. I even look at us and I look, we're all color coordinated for the holidays, <laughs> like red and green and white. And we're just, yeah, we're so cute. We're so cute. Um, yeah. So Ange was my, you were maybe my first or my second fertility client as far as um, bringing in spirit so that the body can do what it's supposed to and clear out the gunk that's there that we're blocking. Right. So um, mm-hmm. Carolina, I have many a question for you. Bring him. I'm so excited. I love talking all things, babies, Reiki's chakras, spirit babies. I'm a medium. So I also like love connecting to spirit babies and like asking them, like, what do we need to know? If there's angel babies that maybe a mom has lost, um, I think it's super important also to connect with them. Maybe there's a message about the womb. Is there something that we need to change energetically? Is there something that we need to implement? Is there a missing piece that we're not seeing? I think the spiritual side of things often solves a lot of things that we may not be looking at. It's definitely one small piece of the pie. I think when you're trying to get pregnant, of course, see your doctor, um, see and do all the things that are part of your fertility treatment plan or your fertility plan in general. You should have a plan. But Reiki does complement any type of fertility plan that you may have. And it does work miracles in a lot of cases. Yeah. Yeah. How many babies have you brought into this world, Carolina, using your techniques? So 97, we just got our 97 confirmation of pregnancy today. So I'm like super excited. Um, So we have probably 85 of those have been born. So we have like this new wave of babies that are, I have a membership, we call it the Make a Baby membership. And like, so we have a new wave of new mamas that are, you know, they're usually first time moms. I'm just now getting to where some people are getting pregnant with their second 
uh, Reiki baby. So we, I have four moms that are pregnant with the, or have given birth to a second Reiki baby. I have not had a, like one that has had a, a, oh, that's not true. I have one that is a third. She just got pregnant and she's 42. She just got pregnant with a third Reiki baby. That is a rare one. And I've been working with her for a while, <laughs> obviously. I love it. So what do you do? What's the starting spot there, Carolina? Um, I have a formula and it's it's not a secret. I, I preach this on my podcast. I preach it on TikTok. The first thing is getting you emotionally safe. And we need to understand is where are you feeling unsafe in your life? And I'm talking about emotions. I'm not talking about physical Obviously, we want you to be physical safe. Um, so emotional safety is like, what does that look like? So where where are people intimidating you? Where do you feel icky when you leave a conversation? I got to put in some people's um, knowledge of what emotional safety varies. So like just taking note of when you're interacting with someone, texting, calling, interacting, speaking with someone. How do you feel afterwards? Do you feel gross? Or do you feel, oh, wow, I'm so glad I ran into her. So I want you to take almost like a relationship audit. And is it Morgan from accounting? Oh, I love talking to Morgan. She's amazing. Or, you know, sometimes maybe I, I you don't jive with your mother-in-law. Or, and so then once we know who makes you feel good and who doesn't, then we have to do a decision. What can be done to make you feel more emotionally safe in that relationship? Do you need to eliminate that relationship or do we need to put a conversation in place to set a boundary with that relationship so that you, or do you do nothing and you just emotionally distance yourself and don't have a conversation? You have to make those decisions yourself. But I think understanding who makes you feel emotionally safe and doesn't, is going to allow you to feel less triggered on your fertility journey. When we're emotionally unsafe, our sacral plexus chakra is closed. If I can make you emotionally safe, I can allow you to heal. Well, I can hold space for you. And what I've seen results is, is that you heal faster. Then we work on building emotional safety within yourself. What are some rituals? What are some lifestyle changes? What are some affirmations and things that we can put into place so you can start to instill that with your relationship with yourself? All womb work is deep shadow work. The multiple various points that I have in my program are not secret. It's mother wound, father wound, inner child wound, um, sexual encounters, miscarriages. It's your own conception and birth into this world. There, Those are all, any type of shadow work program you would do, those are all common. But there's a matter of like understanding with those things, how can we make you feel emotionally safe to say, oh yeah, something happened to me in 2018, but not be triggered by it. So it's about having to go from triggered to non-trigger and having the emotional security and safety to move through it so that your womb can stay open. When you feel threatened or if you feel criticized, that can shut down your womb. And when women are not conceiving most of the time, their sacral plexus chakra is closed. So how can we open it? The quickest ways to make you feel safe. Because how do you operate when you're feeling safe versus threatened? So it's fight or flight versus healing mode. So if I can help you feel and create situations and foster safety in your life, and you're getting that awareness and building that new skill, 
how are you going to show up at your job if you are feeling safer to voice your opinion? How are you going to show up if you already do have a child and you need to advocate for them? You're going to have a lot less fear because you feel safe to speak up. You're going to voice and express things you need to. And then that allows all the other chakra attributes and characteristics to foster and grow more. Mm, that makes so much sense because you think about one of the things that I work with clients, um, just not necessarily womb work or babies or fertility, is yeah. expansion, right? So right. babies come in. And when we're expanded. So when you talk about that womb being open, right? And when we aren't expanded, when we aren't living in a safe, free, joyful, happy body, mind, spirit right. world, the word that actually comes out is contraction. We actually contract. Oh, that's a really, that is perfect, actually. Right? And so you don't want the womb to contract until the baby is on its way out. You don't want that baby, you don't want to push that baby away before you've actually done the nine and a half months of like growing, right? And so that makes so much sense that it's actually (laughs) through that expansion and keeping the womb open. And just that's how our souls are meant to like, operate in this world is just like from this expanded, open, beautiful place versus exactly. contraction, which I think is just a funny parallel because it's literally it's definitely a funny parallel. Yeah. Does. I also, um, I recently did another interview with a shamanic Ricky master and uh, she was explaining that the vocal cords look like the cervix. Okay. So like and if, if you don't feel safe, you're never going to express your needs or wants or communication or desires with your voice. So there is a direct relation of like your voice and your communication and your level of communication and how you communicate also with your sacral plexus chakra. So <laughs> I, when she told me that, I was like, so what? Is her name Heather Radke? Because Heather Radke, who is a breathwork specialist in our world, divine queen goddess who we adore. She showed me that and literally a picture it is. She yeah, said, I looked it up. I was like, girl, no. Like, you didn't know these were your vocal cords. What would you say this is? I'm like, your ovaries, your uterus, your like all your stuff. She's like, mm-hmm. She's like, no, it was Christine happen. Renee. She's she's the host of the Ricky Cafe uh, podcast. Uh, okay. Yeah. And Beautiful I didn't know that. Who know this. And now we can see <laughs> them. <laughs> it's like that blew my mind. So like, if you can feel safe, how will you show up in your life? How will you then interact with people? How will you make decisions? What would you dare to do? Also, what would you call into your life to attract joy? I always ask questions, especially new clients. I'm like, where do you source your joy from? And I, and they're like, oh, that's, that's an odd question. I was like, sure it is. It is. But like, where do you source your joy from? Where do you, where do you get that from? And it's sometimes a hard question to ask and they can't answer it all the time. And I think the quickest that we can make you feel safe, the quickest we can also get you to feeling joy. And if I can make you feel joy, I'm going to be able to get you to manifest your baby, be open to communicating with baby, getting baby to visit you in your dreams faster. I'm going to, it's going to allow you to have miracles called into you faster. It's going to get you to dare say quantum leap to the timeline where you're like, what kind of life do you want to live with this baby? So it's not enough just to conceive them. Like you are also like deserving to have as a first time mom, a lot of moms that a lot of moms that struggle to get pregnant they struggle to also like fully step into their pregnancy and birth experience. So it's also like, okay, 
we got you pregnant. Okay. But now do you know that you're going to, you get to do this. You get to be pregnant. You get to give birth and it can be an empowering experience. How do you want to do that? These are all the things you can look at, but if you're joyous and you're feeling safe, then that's also going to allow you to have less chances of, you know, uh, complicated pregnancy issues or diabetes or also maybe a traumatic birth. We're preventing um, birth trauma because birth stays with you too. So it's it's much more than just conceiving your baby. And also it's like, what kind of life do you want to have with this baby? What kind, What things do you want to teach them? Let's step into that. And if we can, that's what I love also is teaching Reiki is like allowing you to in real time address anything that triggers you. Uh in giving Reiki while your baby's in the womb. Uh Super transformative experience. So I was, I I teach Reiki as well. And one of the (laughs) things that it says in literally the manual, it's in level three, I think it says this. Um, If you are a woman looking to get pregnant, if you take a Reiki workshop, your level one, your level two, depending on where you are, you are highly likely to get pregnant after if that is your desire. I literally had somebody have that happen to them. (laughs) And in one of the attunements, she literally saw like an ultrasound baby. And she's like, what is that? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And then like she comes back, she's like, guys, guess what? And then we're like, what the fuck? I run a marketing agency and one of my clients, uh, I told her, when I onboarded her months and months ago, I was like, you're going to get pregnant before the end of the year. And she's like, I'm not even trying. I have an IUD. I was like, you're, you're planning to take it out like the end of the year. And I was like, you'll be pregnant before Christmas. She, she randomly went and got like a Reiki attunement uh, in her local area. <laughs> Guess who's pregnant? <laughs> Literally, she's like, "Guess what?" I was like, "Disclaimer for anybody <laughs> taking their levels." Uh, no, <laughs> but it tells you too that you can bring in anything you desire, right? right? When you open up those channels, right? And that's I, what I Reiki agree. And it's yeah, so that's what you're doing. And so you've just opened the portal to the divine, which is the womb. Right. We are as women, we are the portal to the divine. We take souls that cannot breathe this air. Isn't and that the craziest in. thing? It like when you coolest. see it, like so like deliberately, like it's like we take the souls from heaven and we bring them to life in yeah. our womb. It's like we the are the portal. Thing, right. We I know. We are the conduit for things to become divine. We take the divine and we combine it and we make it human and divine. Is that the direct um, definition of yoni? Is the portal to divine? Does that sound right? Let me Google it. Google what yoni is. I feel like that is, it's something like that. It has to do with portal to divine, I believe. I think that's why it's called a yoni. And if I'm wrong, that's possible too. The vulva, especially as a symbol of divine procreative energy, conventionally represented by a circular stone. Close. I don't know. It is what it is. It it uh, like it makes so much sense though, right? It does. It does. It does. Now, I'm curious. You guys are both this is your space. So, tell me what kind of blocks do women have? What are their like they come to you, what are those blocks? You talked to Caroline a little bit about sacral chakra being closed. What are the blockages and the things that they might be able to work on to kind of move through that? Do you want me to answer that question first? Yeah. Sure. 
Yeah. Uh, the number one issue is father wound. hundred percent. Um, I, with the number, the thousands of women I've talked to on TikTok live, there is a pattern that there are either absent fathers or emotionally unavailable fathers that have been like this for generations. So there is a wound that women are carrying. Now, this is not, this may not be the story of every woman, but this is the most common thing I find with women I work with. <clears throat> and it doesn't mean that the father wound is a traumatic one. It just could be, he could have been there, good provider, but may not have been giving affection. Maybe didn't go to games. What is the bottom root cause is they weren't loved the way that they felt like they needed to. And then that adult dad, father figure, failed them in some way. Sometimes there's abuse involved. Sometimes there's not. Everyone's story is different, but there is a wound there that they need to heal. Sometimes that can snowball into how they choose men when they're adults and choose to date. That could be men who are also unavailable. And then there's trauma from relationships that we have to unpack and heal. There could be also... um with that, there could be ancestral wounds where uh, like the mom, the grandma, there has been aunts, other family members who are also repeating this pattern. So with that is choosing men who are unavailable to either parent them or also love them. And then how does that make their self-worth uh, impacted? How does that impact their self-worth? So the number one I see is the father wound and how do we address it? How can then we make sure that you feel worthy? How do we make you feel loved and protected? And how can we make sure that you know that your worth is not conditional? Because that's the biggest thing too, is self-worth. And then like any type of love that they might receive is conditional or they have to prove themselves to receive affection and love. So there's, those are just kind of the other symptoms that are around the father wound. Mm. <laughs> and that makes so much sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, I tend to see a lot of PCOS and endometriosis. So then what I have found is that with those two type of illnesses is that there was a lot of abandonment and also um, a lot of situations and a lot of events that we tend need to heal where they needed to grow up really fast, where they had to be the adult caretaker in their home versus they weren't the child and someone else was being the parent taking care of them. So a lot of people had to be the adult in the home for and at a young age. And so that kicks in the masculine energy and the, the over masculinity of like as a coping mechanism. And then over time they get conditioned, oh, if you're masculine and you you're over producer of energy, um, you get validated and they get rewarded. So things that, that can come up with is like, is if they're um, straight A student, if they are always go, 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 you know, and they, um, there's not a tapping into the feminine where they are allowing themselves to rest or allowing them to help to have a break. There's not a internal balance of the masculine and feminine within the womb that they just the proving point and not having enough self-validation is driving that because that is what they've been rewarded and conditioned for. So like if they've cleaned the house and they got straight A's and again, being the adult, I come from a Hispanic household and I see this a lot with some, I have a lot of Latina clients 
where if, especially if you're first generation, like maybe your parents didn't speak English. So you had to go to doctor's appointments. You had to open mail. You had to go at at such a young age to go and be the voice at the doctor and explain how Wayla's arm is hurting or what is the mortgage statement say? What does that mean? And you're opening bills at a young age. That is very common, especially with first generation um, Hispanic women in the United States is that also like, oh, having to be masculine, having to be the adult because there was no other choice. And go, you're going to say no to Abuela. You're not going to open her mail. You're not going to go with her to the doctor's office. She, you're with her and her, your parents are working. So it's unfortunate, but then we work through is like, okay, how can we allow you to get out of fight or flight and get into healing mode? How can we de-trigger that? I've had some clients where they're like, I can't open the mail because that was a trigger for them. And you think about one of the things that we had talked about previous is like the vocal cords. Right. So to have to be the voice at the age of seven, right, nine or 12. As soon as you can read. <clears throat> yeah. As soon as you're able to read, to have to be a voice, that's like, pre. it's premature, right? It's and premature. So, it's too soon. Yeah. And so again, like you think about anybody who is harmed sexually at a young age, right? it's premature. They're not ready for any type of consensual sexual behavior. Right. And so you think about the damage to the vocal cords and that like reciprocity that like moves down to kind of that womb space. It's, it's a replication. Right. Um, So I just, when you said that, I thought there was a parallel that kind of. Yeah. Mm It runs deep. So like it's, it's, but again, these are just patterns I've seen everyone's individual story and their blockages are different. But I find if like it goes down to, do you like, are you ready to let go of the storylines or are you not? And I think that understanding like is more harmful to force a purge of traumas or, you know, go down the list if you're not ready to let go of the narrative yet. And for me, I got pregnant with Reiki in 2016. I was recommended. I was on medical leave and I suffered a concussion. I had been riding my horse and I fell in a ditch, got a really nasty concussion. And I, my memory was not coming back and I couldn't see all the numbers in reverse the way that they wanted me to. And I went to the psychic store. I was really deep in my spiritual awakening at that time. And I said, I need some rocks for my concussion. She goes like, no, you don't. She goes, your sacral plexus chakra and your throat are closed. And you need to talk to your husband. What's the communication there? I was like, oh, I didn't ask you. But she gave me a card. She goes, you need to get Reiki. I was in grief counseling, grief therapy at the time. Um, that same week, my husband drove me to get grief therapy. And uh, this was about a year and a half after my dad had died and uh, which started my spiritual awakening. And she's like, you know, you're going to need to either get on antidepressants or you're going to need to do Reiki to you need to be further along. Like you're just you've done a lot of talk therapy, like you should be moving faster with this. And I was like, I'm not going to get like, I'll try the Reiki. You're the second person. And I was like two people in one week. I was like, oh my goodness. So I went and got Reiki the next week. The very next month I was testing positive with my son who's now almost seven. He'll be seven on Monday, like one week from today. And he was what I call the first Reiki baby. And I got Reiki through my entire pregnancy. And the lady's like, 
I call her my Reiki mother because she's still my friend to this day. And I said, you know, <clears throat> she kept telling me, she goes, you can do this. I was like, no, you're a magical fairy. And we'll just leave you this. I'll come here and you give it to me because the magic is you. And um, when Ollie was six months old, I got attuned to Reiki one and two. And then I went on to get uh, Reiki master probably a year later. And that was just kept going on and on. I got Karuna. Now I'm attuned to four different lineages. <clears throat> and I, every time I got an attunement, my gifts got more heightened or uh, sharper. Um, I learned that I was a medium. Um, I learned that I could see inside the wombs. I could, I learned that I could connect with babies and then I got very accurate. Um, I can see usually how many pregnancies somebody's going to have and just really doubling down on like, what do I want to do? And, you know, how can I serve the world and what makes the most sense for me? And I stopped doing in-person Reiki sessions right one month before the pandemic. And I was like, I don't want to be in person anymore. I went online, which was, I always do things usually a little bit of ahead of when the rest of the world does it. And then that's how I did the whole Reiki baby movement, like just go online. And eventually I got on TikTok and learned I was good at video. And now we just help women have babies. And I think it's really important to have quality, high frequency Reiki available, no matter what charge, like no matter like a, a free content, because women who are trying to conceive, you deserve to have a baby. You deserve to have the baby that you are dreaming of, no matter how much money you have. So that's why I'm like, really, I have the podcast. There's a lot of free content. I think that women deserve to have babies the way that they want to, whether they have money or not. Like that's up to you, like your body, your choice, your babies, your fertility. And I am, I'm super progressive. <laughs> I am really deep into my anti-racist journey and I'm very much committed to like making sure people know like your worth has nothing to do with whether or not you can, what the salary you make. But if you want a baby, let's do it. Let's try. And, you know, you shouldn't have to be barred from like having good alternative solutions because of your social economic status. Mm -hmm my rant. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's beautiful. Well, it's our God-given right, right? Like right. It, like it's it is our divine um it is our divine capability, right? And so because there's been a blockage whether it's this lifetime a past lifetime um to be able to move some of those so that the body can heal itself, right? And to be the conduit um to tap into that and allow that energy to flow through is just, it is a God-given gift and it's, it's beautiful. I agree a hundred percent. I love it. Yes. Um, Angela, I forget what your question was. <laughs> and then you asked both of us and I'm trying to remember. I'm like, I okay. um, what do you see are the typical blockages mm -hmm. that keep a woman or from conceiving based on your experience? Gotcha. Okay, so I I agree completely. Um, Carolina, did I say it correctly? You said there's a yeah. little in there. Okay, um, one of so in addition to what you've talked about, another thing, and you kind of talked about it a little bit at the beginning is um, so the sacral chakra is all about like it's I call it the pleasure center. Like it's the pleasure zone, right? And so 
when we are young teenagers, typically, or like I remember when Angela and I were young teenagers and we lived in the land of pleasure. We, right? Like you are living in the land of pleasure, right? We're highly fertile. We are like horny. doing the stuff we horny. want, horny, telling our parents to go fuck themselves. Like we are, we are living our best pleasure pleasure lives. Now, if we maintain that for the duration, we probably are very highly unemployed and like living in their basement and eating chips for the rest of our life. So it's not sustainable. But then you parallel that or you compare it even to somebody who is, let's say, 37, who is highly educated, they're making great money, right? Like you look at these two different time zones or people, you could say, um, just from a stereotypical or generalization standpoint, not everybody's going to fall into any single one category, but just as like places where we land in our lives based on timeline, right? So you've got, you're highly educated and, but we're more, we're more geared towards duty than we are pleasure, right? It's like, we've got to get up, we've got to work out, we've got to get on to the, we we focus more on that, like, masculine energy standpoint where it's like get shit done and pleasure is not really the focus because you had mentioned this and I see this too and Ange maybe you see it with women that you work with but one of the number one questions that I ask women when that is closed and it often is is what do you do for joy and they're like I should know the answer to that I'm like well you don't have to and many people don't but you should like we want to work towards that for sure because we lose it along the way. 16-year-old Ashley, oh girl, she was she was living in the land of pleasure. She was like, she was, she's doing all the things and that's good, right? And then as I become, as we get the house, we get the husband, we get the job, we get the da-da-da-da-da-da-da, we, we let go of some of that pleasure and we lean into duty, right? And that's where that difference between that like masculine that categorized organized rationalized all the eyesed stuff that we do it becomes the way that we have learned to live a good life right and sure that's balanced but I, I think about like so if and this isn't necessarily the case for everybody but I'll pretend that I'm a typical woman I'll pretend that my husband is a typical guy and so the neighbor lady comes over and she goes hey Ashley would you like to come over for a glass of wine and like we'll just kick our shoes off and we'll just like put our feet in the pool and I'm like oh you know girl I would love to but I've got to get the laundry done the kids are getting off the bus any minute I've got to get supper going and you know we're off to soccer hockey baseball and whatever right I can't not tonight Okay. So that's like just a typical Tuesday, let's say for the average human. Then day number two, my husband is driving around on the lawnmower. He's cutting grass. Neighbor's husband comes over and goes, Hey, Cam, I go over for a beer. Yep. Turn that sucker off and away he goes. So men live in that land of pleasure. Right. And we do in those like earlier years, typically, but we, as women, as the caregiver, as the mom, as the, we, we tend to lose that and focus on the duty, right? And what I see for women who are trying to conceive is they're approaching conception from that like checklist standpoint. I gotta, I gotta get my body in its perfect prime health. I need to stop drinking. I need to um, cut out X, Y, and Z, and I need to, and it's very like military. 
I'm like, mm, nope, that's like literally not flow. That is not soft. That's not feminine. Babies come in in joy. They choose that center because that's where they land. They land in a place of love and joy. And not always. Like babies come in and they do their thing and every soul has a journey. But if you're calling in a baby, creating the softest, most joyful, happy landing place is paramount, I would say, to fertility. So that's what I would say, in addition to kind of what Caroline has said, is that there's there's not enough joy um, in these women's lives. Everything is planned, it's structured, it's X, Y, and Z. And it's the, it's all the ticky boxes and the ticky boxes aren't the energy that calls in a baby. Mm-hmm. I know actually you speak to um, trauma in the womb and whether that is physical trauma or emotional trauma, but can you shed some light, both of you on that piece? How does the womb hold emotions? How does the womb hold trauma? Um, would you be able to speak to what that might look like for somebody? I'll let you go first there, Caroline. So for me, the womb is the emotional center. So like in whether you feel your emotions and the full wavelength of your emotions, and if you feel worthy of feeling your emotions. Now, as a society, we're taught and conditioned that you're supposed to stuff. And it, most people, when we stuff it, that means you're also stunting the feeling of the full emotional wavelength wavelength. So every emotion you're felt between 60 and 90 seconds. So if we are totally meant to be numb or don't cry or just no, you're okay, Johnny, you're okay. Then that means like, okay, I'm not meant to feel this. It's wrong for me to feel this. Then I'm just going to do my, my best to just stop it because that's what I got rewarded for. And I got, advised to do and validated for. Whereas in my coaching and with Reiki, I'm like, okay, so I want you to, we're going to get, especially if we're going to do a Reiki attunement or if we're going to do a Reiki session, you're going to feel things that you didn't know were there. And things are going to come up in a Reiki session that you didn't know. So because Reiki is the highest healing frequency. So what you're going to do is what's going to go, it's going to go into your tissues it's going to go into your cells and anything that is unsettled anything is lower vibration especially we're focusing on the womb for fertility that's going to bring it to the surface while you're experiencing a reiki session you could cry you might fall asleep you could feel a lot of different things but what is happening is the reiki is going down into your cells and is forcing out the lower vibrational emotions and they're going to come to the surface so most of the time especially if someone is your first few times getting reiki i find that people are more emotional than later and you want to feel your emotions. So the emotional center is your womb. The, the emotions that get stuck are most common blame, shame, guilt, abandonment, uh, regret, a lot of anger. A lot of that is stored in the womb because it is the emotional center. The ways to get it out is one, deciding consciously, am I ready to release these stories? Am I ready to release even the unknown? and set that intention for a Reiki session. Healing is not a one-time event. It's just like a commitment. It's like having a relationship with money. Like, you know, they say money mindset, have a relationship money and make it your boyfriend. So I always like say, <laughs> you need to have that with healing, whether it's your modality, like if Reiki is your modality, I've never done healing. Like my dad's been passed for nine years 
And his relationship was probably the most impactful on my emotional safety and security in my entire life. So I'm constantly working on, you know, unraveling things. I get triggered on the anniversary of his passing, on his birthday, on my birthday, on Ollie's birthday. And it's, you know, I have to let them pass through me so that I can release them because I I am training my body and my mindset is that I don't want to own this anymore. I'm so ready to be happy. So understanding that the emotions can be felt in real time and you don't have to hold on to them, but it's also training. Like you have to be taught, you have to unlearn how to not stuff. You have to learn how to feel in real time. And there's a little bit of like a messy transitional period of like, as you are healing stuff that's stuck. And then you're also like training yourself in real time. Like, you know, Joe for marketing said something in a meeting and it was a little bit low below the belt, you know? Um, so how do you handle that and having the skills in real time? Maybe you cut cords, maybe you're doing breath work. Maybe you're taking a walk and getting outside and getting some sunshine and grounding. So you can just move it out of you and finding a ritual that works for you in real time. So you can mitigate what comes up in real time and also handle the stuff that you're expelling from your womb or from your body. So that's how I approach and understand like the emotions and how I usually explain it to clients. I love it. Oh, girl. <laughs> so oh, I just wish you were like, I wish we were all together on a couch right now. Just like, oh, <laughs> Hot cocoa, please. Language. Oh. You speak your language so hard when you're talking, Carolina. Um, so many of the things that you're saying also echo a lot of the messaging of Ashley. Um, and I think it's so cool that you're in Nebraska and we're up here in like Ontario, Canada, and somehow we're divinely connected. So I'm connecting more and more with Canadians. My other call right before you that ended like 15 minutes before you, she was in Canada. I don't know where in Canada, but she was in Canada. Oh, that's so cool. We were chatting with a girl just before you too, and we were talking about self-care and kind of some of these pieces um, show up as well. And she was from Arizona. So this like, <laughs> all this like international connection is so just so beautiful. Um, it shows that the world is healing and it makes my heart really happy. Um, and to your question, one of the things in addition, again, to what Carolina is saying is, so the sacral chakra is also, it's the relationship center. And so one of the things that I studied all through like my early um, post-secondary education was child development, child psychology, um, and secure attachment. And so secure attachment, there's different attachment styles that we all have with our parent or parents when we are young children. And that is created based on whether we feel safe. And let's say mom, for example, mom is the safe place for me to always come back to, right? It's how we learn to explore the world and come back to safety. We explore the world and we come back to safety. And eventually what we learn is that the world is actually a pretty safe place because what we do is we replicate those foundational relationships. So that relationship you have with mom and that relationship you have with dad become the relationships you create with everybody in the world. And so that becomes your foundation of what you know relationships, especially 
loving relationships to be. So if you have an anxious attachment versus a secure attachment, the way that you operate in the world is going to be very different because you're not going to, you're going to struggle to feel safe in most relationships because you feel anxious, even if your partner is right there with you. You know that they're not dying. You know that they're not leaving, right? When you feel as anxious as if they were gone, as if they were there, right? There's that anxious attachment where it's like, I don't know when I can feel safe, right? And so there's there's four different attachment styles. And the one that we want is secure attachment. And then we go out into the world and relationships feel safe. So even if you have a mother-in-law or a coworker or a brother or a dog that drives you bananas, you can manage because you know that this isn't everybody all the time. You know that, okay, I'm still safe in this, even though you say this about me. I'm still safe. I'm good. I, I see that our relationship is maybe in a, a little bit of trouble. That's okay. We can either let that go. We can remedy it. We can give it space. We can whatever. But I know that generally speaking, most of my relationships, regardless of where they are, I'm safe. I'm okay. And having relationship with others is a safe thing to do, right? And that lives in the sacral chakra, right? And so that's your foundational relationship is with, typically it's with a parent. It should be typically. Um, and then it moves outward from there, right? And so all of that lives in that area, right? And so we can, it, again, this is like shadow work stuff, but it, we can re reverse, maybe isn't the right word, but we can reparent ourselves. We can create secure attachments. I would say when I look at my relationship, my relationships as a child, I did not feel safe, even though from an outside perspective, I had every reason to feel that. I didn't have like an abusive home. I didn't have, right? Like, but I always, I was always anxious. I was always a little bit or a lot of it stressed out. And that carried into everything and everyone that I interacted with. And it was because I didn't have a secure attachment style. And most of us don't, which is sad and a little bit scary. We are on our third generation, approximately, of insecure attachment style. And so we are struggling with that piece because our relationships we don't know how to have proper relationships because that very first primary relationship that we're supposed to have that makes us feel safe and allows us to explore and come back and be safe and explore and come back and be safe was damaged and not probably to anybody's fault or on purpose. It just by virtue of the way that our society is and the way that we operate in the world, it is not set up to foster secure attachment style, which then goes out and impacts the rest of our relationships. So I would say I see that, um, is that people don't know how to have relationships because they didn't really ever have that primary one. And that lands, so it lands right in there with um, that womb, that sacral chakra. And the other one, I'm just gonna say something else and I forget what it is. I was gonna say, you talk a lot about heart chakra, don't you? What's that? Don't you also talk a lot about the heart chakra? Mm, yes. So, so the heart chakra 
and Carolina, you can add or correct or change um, as as I speak. So the heart chakra is all about love. And that is giving, receiving, and self-love. And the heart chakra is my favorite chakra. Sorry, Carolina, I'm sure yours is sacral. Mine is heart. <laughs> we all are not supposed to have favorite chakras, but we all do. And mine is, my favorite is the heart chakra. And the reason that the heart chakra is my favorite is because it's where the divine and the human come together. And that's where creation lives. And that's what babies are. Babies are creation, right? And so when it comes to the seven major chakras, I know there's like over 200 in the body, but the seven major ones, that's the center point one. And the top, the three above that are all about connecting to the divine, which is baby soul. Like that's, that's the soul world. That's what we're calling in. We're calling in the divine. And it is also the human, which is very like reproductive. You're calling a soul to this planet, which requires a lot of like breathing, air, food, right? All those like human base needs. And then the heart chakra is where those two come together. So to me, I would say in, in addition to that sacral chakra, the heart chakra is the combination of actually like creation. And that's where I was talking to somebody. I was teaching level one on Saturday, just the other day. And um, oh, here's my little bean. She's right here. Hi, fat. <laughs> There's my Coralie. <laughs> Speaking of baby, anyways, so when it comes to, oh no, I lost my train of thought. Babies come in, and then you know the world just changes, and my brain goes to like poof. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, so I remember. This is how it goes. So the when it comes to. And it's not a religious standpoint because I'm not a religious person. But if you think about spirituality and you think about the different stories that we use to convey information about spiritual things. So one of those stories is the story of Jesus, right? And I believe that Jesus was a Reiki healer. He was a heal with your hands. I'm going to call in the Holy Spirit and you're going to heal. It's not me, it's God, right? And that's what we're doing as Reiki practitioners, Reiki healers, is it's not us, we're not the magic, it's that we're just being the conduit for that healing to take place. And <clears throat> Mary, so this story, think about the story of Jesus, he has a mom who is very much a human. She is a young woman. She is, right, she's of the earth, right? So she represents being of the earth, very, very human. And then you think about how she immaculately conceives Jesus. And whether you believe this to be fundamentally true or not, doesn't really matter. It's the story and it's the essence of what it's, what's sitting behind it, right? So you've got Mary who's of the earth, right? Very human. And then you've got God, the father, right? Joseph is not the father of this child. This is God's child. This is God's son, which represents the divine. So you can call it universe, spirit, source, creator, but God, that word represents the divine. And so what we have then is we have the divine and the, the earth coming together. And what is created is somebody who can heal themselves and others. And we all have that divine capability. And so to me, the earth represents that like root chakra, right? Like our lowest, most base human needs. And then you've got the, um, the divine, which represents those like upper chakras, that like crown chakra, let's say it's the highest. And when those come together, you meet in the middle and there's Jesus Christ, right? Or the heart, 
which is divine creation. And so when those two aspects come together, and we are all that, right? It's it's not just Jesus. It's Angela, it's Ashley, it's Carolina, it's every single person on this earth. And what we're doing, what Carolina is talking about is when we bring, when we call babies in, right? We need the earthly aspects of who we are and we need those divine aspects. And it's when they come together that a baby can land in the portal, which is mom, and be delivered to the earth plane. There. <laughs> Beautiful, eh? I am totally, it makes a lot of sense though. Um, and it, it makes, it make me like think of like when I worked in corporate and like when I didn't get along with someone or someone wouldn't answer me or like, and now I'm like going to go Google, you know, um, attachment styles. I actually do. It's so funny. I do attachment parenting. And I think, um, I think one thing is like, if you're healing your womb, um, and you're trying to get pregnant or you're just in your healing journey, just understand you don't have to heal everything. You're not going to be able to heal everything at once. And like everything is in layers, just like an onion is they, you know, the cliche saying is, but I think it's important to know that like, it will all be revealed to you. You don't need to, I remember when I started my spiritual awakening and I was so thirsty for all of the answers and to learn everything all at once. And what I ended up doing is I learned to trust myself because as I learned Reiki, I had more evidential validating experiences in my life. But when I became a mom to my son, um, I was trying to breastfeed and the lactation consultant, she goes, do you know what you're doing? I said, of course not. I've never been like really babysat. I don't know how to change a diaper. I'm just winging it over here. I'm just responding to his cues. Just like, I just, you know, he, he makes a noise. I'm trying to learn the noise. And um, she goes, you're doing what's called attachment parenting. And essentially, I didn't know what that was until I went and I read about it. And it's basically responding to exactly what you're saying to the needs of the child as soon as they express the need. So they learn to trust even as babies that you're going to be there and your response is immediate because they feel safe that way. And I didn't know that like my natural in instincts as a mom would be that good. I was like, well, look, I have arrived. So my advice is that you might be doing better than you think. And if you're going down this healing journey or the self-improvement journey and trying to raise your vibe, just understand that you're probably doing a hundred times better than you really think you are and to have grace with yourself and that you can always start over and you can, it doesn't all have to be done in one sitting and it doesn't all have to be done in one day. And if you are trying to conceive and you're like, I want to use Reiki, it could very well just be one session that you need to open your womb and for it to stay open. It, it might be a year. I've worked with women. It took me a year and a half to help this woman work through some really heavy things. Everyone's different in their journey and what you'll need for healing and keeping that womb open and finding your joy again. But I promise that all the things you gain from all that healing will leave you forever changed for the better. And I think that that's like always like a, a really important message to share is that all of this, like, it seems like really big stuff. And it's really, it, it is like when you look back and you see how everything's connected and how you move through life. And it's really great to find meeting like 
oh, it wasn't my fault. Like this was, this happened to me. Yes. And it, it, that just knowing that you don't have to heal everything and everything doesn't have to have also a big overarching meaning. It, it might be just enough to get a Reiki session or realignment of your chakras to, you know, help you get pregnant. And you think that that's like, sometimes it doesn't have to be big stuff, but sometimes it is. Mm-hmm. You're probably doing better than you really think you are. Cause every time that I was super like hard on myself and I was deep in the darkness I was actually doing 100% better than I thought it was. And I think that's the flip coin of healing is that nobody tells you that. It's like when you're really in it, yeah, you probably are, your instincts are better than you think you are, than they are. And I think it's important to that point is celebrate and rest. Mm. right when we're healing it's weird we think we're like it's all the muck it's all the goo it's all the clearing it's all the releasing but with reiki what you're also doing is you're calling in life force energy to heal the body you're you're calling in miracles you're call you're creating so much so making sure that if you are on a healing journey as you unpack all the hard stuff and you release and you take a look at your triggers and the shadow work that shows up with that Pause to celebrate your success. Reflect on how far you've come and what you're doing because I don't think there's enough credit, right? We look at all the work that still has to be done. Yeah, but look at look at where you are and you've chosen the path of the soul and that is fucking courageous, right? Like that is, and so just pausing to celebrate that. And one other thing that I want to say that um, sparked a thought in my mind that you had talked about um, as well. And Angela, you know this, we actually teach teach this in our manifestation class when it comes to just manifesting what it is that you truly desire and want your life to be. Um, so if that's a baby, awesome. Um, but what we talk about is three different ways that we actually source joy. So you talked about that, my dear, when you said, um, where are you sourcing your joy from? And I was like, ding, ding, ding. So typically what I have found, and so for anybody who's listening, like, oh God, I don't have any joy. Um, you do, right? And it's just where do you source it? And there's three typical spots. And the first one, especially if you are somebody who does things for other people. So if you are a mom already, or if you find that you're, you know, that aunt or that brother or that sister who does a lot of things for other people, you might get what's called what I like to call filtered joy which is you're getting that from somebody else's joy. And so there's not any direct joy to you. So if you're in the land of filtered joy, awesome. You've got some joy in your world. Good for you. That's good, right? So let's say my kids, the example that I use is Lego. Let's say they get Lego for Christmas and they love Lego. And I do not love Lego because I step on it and it hurts and I vacuum it up and it wrecks it. And But I, in that moment, when they open up that Lego, I'm very, very happy because they've gotten what they wanted and it feels so good for them. And so that is filtered joy. And then there is, so another source of joy is what I call bliss items. And those are the items that we do for ourselves that require us to have an input of energy. And we maybe don't even feel joyful during that moment while we're doing it or leading up to it, but we feel really good after. So exercise is a really good example of that. Um, so going for a run or um working out, maybe you, maybe you dread it, but afterwards it feels so good to have done that. So those are bliss items. And then the last one is just pleasure. And that's where I would say, I see a lot of clients 
that are missing this piece. And those are the things that just, Pity, can you please just like sit down beside me? There's my little filtered joy human. <laughs> and so then there's the, the pleasure. And that's your like your chocolate, your wine, your like indulgences. And so making sure that you have a balance of those sources. And so when it comes to where you're sourcing your joy, um, trying to see where, because we all have joy, right? We all do, but we don't, we look at it as like, well, what do I do for me? And we need to do things for, for ourselves, but we also can take a broader approach and look at, okay, but where, where else do you have that? And that again, it comes back to that, like celebrating that piece and seeing where you need to like boost up those places. Do you need more girls nights? You need more pleasure in your world? Cool. You need a girl's night. Go get one, right? Do you need more like more bliss items, which are going to like fill that bucket that overflows into the other areas of your life, right? Like meditation, you might dread it going into it, but afterwards, the rest of your day is better because you did it. Those are, you know, maybe you need more of those. Or maybe you really just need more filtered joy. You need to be doing things for other people so that you can get that that energy back. And so that was something that I just wanted to piggyback on that you had talked about um, when it comes to that joy piece. And for anybody who's listening, who's feeling like it's an uphill battle, I promise you, you have joy in your world. It's just, you have to look at it from maybe a couple different angles. Mm, I love it. I love it. I noticed that she said that too. And I'm like, it's interesting that she described it as source joy in the way that you describe it in our course. But oh, so, so beautiful. Carolina, I want to know about this membership that you have. You got some cool tools that you provide women with. I think you call it the Make the Make a Baby membership. Yeah, so that's my brand is Make a Baby. It's a, I have a Make a Baby podcast membership and headquarters. And so basically the membership is a monthly membership. Um, it's $49 a month or um, running a special where you can do 50% off for six months or a year. And basically we have um, two calls a month and then you have a vault of different uh, healings and Reiki guided meditations that are original that I've written and recorded that are specific. So we have our make a baby formula, which go are like the main wounds that we need to heal. And then we have um, IUI, IVF, we have two week wait, we have healings that are specific for every aspect of fertility. We just got done with this series because we had such a huge influx of the members who got pregnant. We did what's called the pregnancy, the spiritual pregnancy reset, and basically allowing women to let go and detach from their fertility journeys, heal that wound because fertility trauma is a thing. And then fully step in and connect with their babies that are growing in their womb and get ready for um, birth. And we had guest speakers with that. And then we have postpartum support all the way through. So the idea is supporting you from preconception all the way through postpartum. And it's really just meant for self-paced healing and support you through all aspects of motherhood um, at a very affordable price. And then our headquarters is our three-month program where we teach you Reiki. I teach you the womb healing techniques and we do, it's a hybrid program where we do group work and also you're getting individual support and healing time with me to get a custom healing plan so that you are um, actively working out your fertility plan and trying to conceive during that time, or you're trying to conceive right after, but then you're Reiki attuned during that process. Yeah. And then the podcast is this free content. 
topics and things, all of the, all of the good stuff. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I was creeping all of your Instagram and I'm like, oh, this is so beautiful. I love it. Thank you. We went through a recent rebrand this year, so I'm glad you like it. I'm going to stalk the ever loving crap out of you. I'm most active on TikTok. I am Um, going to. (laughs) Come on over. It's a good time. We can hang out on TikTok, but we, we're, we, I feel like we haven't, we're not really on the TikTok trend yet. We're not on the TikTok trend. Just to watch you. Yeah. Well, I have the thing is, is that it's like effortless over there for me. Like, I'm so much better at video than I am with like carousel or static post or writing caption. Like, I feel like you're just more authentic. It's off the cuff. It's not as curated. Um, so we have eighteen thousand over eighteen thousand followers on TikTok, um, and we just we have a party over there, and um, I'm trying to. Have, a lot of women get pregnant from just watching my videos. Every time I go live, someone tells me that they're pregnant. Or the, the the alumni come through and we're chatting and having a good time. It's like a party. I love it. I love it. I love the way you're showing up. It's just so, so beautiful, babe. Thank you so much. I appreciate you um, loving, loving on my stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for being here, girl. It's been a beautiful chat and looking forward to all the ways that we cross section again. Yes. Can't wait to connect again and allow me. Thank you again for allowing me to share space with you and share my story. Totally. Totally. All right. We got one more final question. And it's the last question that we ask everybody that we um, have on as a guest on our podcast. And that is, how would you like to be remembered? Ooh, a person that loved hard, deep and forgave easy. Ah. I love hard and deep, but I don't know necessarily I think my forgiveness can be improved. I'm a Taurus. So. Uh, oh, oh, girl, you got some work ahead of you. Our best friend's a Taurus and uh, grudges and like all the, yeah, it's hard work. For I, I noticed like it is something I recently interviewed a woman who was exceptional and um, she specializes. She's like an expert in conflict resolution. And I was like, I've really had to really hone in on like my conflict resolution skills over the past five years and so and I think I'm good in crisis I'm good with like solving conflict but I think forgiveness is where I am in my journey of like how can I make this easier for myself how can I de-escalate myself when I do get angry so forgiveness is more of an innate response versus like I'm so easy to forgive those super close to me, but not necessarily like someone I hire or someone, um, my virtual assistants. Yes. That's like an immediate yes. But like, it's so much easier for me to forgive people that are super closer to me. So like as a Taurus, I'm working through that. So I would love to be remembered as someone loved deep and hard and forgave easily. So that's my dream. That's actually one of my 2024 goals and tensions is to learn to forgive easily. Oh, I love that. You're so, so funny. Yeah. That was my goal this year. Do you remember that, Leanne? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Are we twinning? Are I we twinning? So. That was my that was my gift to the world. I do like a, a gift to myself, a gift to the world, um, and like a goal. But that was my gift. I like that. You get. Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah. So gifting yeah. that to the people who who hurt you that you just. Yeah. So yeah, because I I I love deeply and I love hard. And I, and I love like pretty much instantly. Oh. So 
but the forgiving part I could be better at. But I am also the most self-aware person to my detriment that I know. Not to be cocky, but like my husband tells me that all the time. He goes, oh my God, you're so self-aware. Stop. (laughs) I love you all. We need to operate in more spaces together. I love it. Thank you so much for having space with me. I hope you have the best day. Yeah, you too. And happy holidays, babe. We will see you. Happy holidays. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye.